Okay, so we finished with yesterday 102, 102B, we finished with the topic of why is one liable, oopsie, why is one liable for drilling even a very small hole? Is that for the malacha of bone, a building, or is that the malacha of, of, um, of uh, Makaba Pathish, of, of hitting the final hammer blow? That's what we finished with yesterday. The Gemara is now going to try to bring a proof to one of these two positions. In here are proof. Right at the bottom of 102B, Earl, just about to start 103A. Akadeya Kolshu, if someone drills a tiny bit, Chayiv, you're liable. Bishlam al-Rav, Merci, Kiman, Dechar, Chorta, Livinyana. According to Rav, it makes sense that you're going to be liable for making a tiny drill hole because it looks like you're building something in a, in a house. You're making a, a little bit of a drill, right? So according to Rav, the liability is going to be for, for building. So in terms of building, if you're drilling a hole, that's part of the process of building is to drill the hole so you can knock the pegs in the right way to hold up the house the right way. But according to Shmuel, that the problem, the, the malacha that you're engaged in is the malacha of, of the makabapathish of the final step. Well, whenever you're making a hole in something, by definition, that's not the final step. You're still going to have to do something else afterwards. El Shmuel, it's not the final malacha. What's the case over here? So what you did is you knocked in, the, the way that you made the hole in the wall is through taking a screw, a nail, and you made a, a hole in the wall through a nail. But guess what? You left the nail in the wall. So you didn't just make a hole in the wall, but you also left it in the wall. And therefore, this is the end of the malacha. So that's not a, not a proof one way or the other. Mishnah tells us, this is the principle. And what was the principle? The principle was anything that is, anything, anybody who does an action and the action is the, the final action, then you're going to be liable for doing this on Shabbos. So what's this principle coming to teach us? What's it coming to include? If someone made a, a hole large enough for a kapiza, kapiza is three quarters of a kav, in a kava, in an area that it's large enough for a kav, but if it, even if you just made three quarters of a kav hole, then it still would be liable for making a, a hole, a significant hole, because that is something that is miskayemis, something that will last forever. His opinion was that even if you hit with the, the, the blacksmith hammer on the sadin, on the anvil, you're also liable. My kaavid, what are you doing that's going to be here forever? That's an interesting angle. What are you doing that's going to be here forever? I like it. I like it. <laughs> what, what are you doing that's going to be a miskayemes, right? What's miskayemes about hitting the anvil, right? That's not miskayemes. It's not a permanent uh, change. So, um, you know what's permanent? You're training your hand to do this malacha. Someone asks the obvious question. That means that if you're watching someone do an umnas and Shabbos and learning from them how to do that umnas, big gamar, and then you learn how to do it yourself, you're going to be liable for a malacha. In other words, there's no such thing. There's no malacha called learning how to do malacha. That's not a malacha. That's not one of the Lamatas malachas. They said is that the people who um, hammered out the, the, uh, the very thin gold sheets in the Mishkan that they would use, the plates of gold that they would use. So that, that's what they were doing. They were taking the gold and they were just smashing it down. That's basically what you do when you're hitting on the anvil. 
Even someone who hits with the cornice on the sadin on the anvil, the shas malacha at the time of malacha chayiv. Why? What's the precedent that you should be liable for that? Exactly what we suggested is because the people who are hammering out the gold plates in the mishkan, that is exactly how they would do it in this in this type of fashion. Okay, so if a guy was actually hammering out gold on shops, I get it. But if he's just hitting the anvil with a hammer, is not actually working any material. What is he doing? I mean, normally when you <coughs> hit an anvil with a hammer, you're hitting something that's on the anvil to shape it or whatever. So, so Earl, he's Earl, learning how to hammer. What? He's learning how to do it. He's just right. Well, what I'm saying is, is that there was just there was just a reputation of that, and then they go in to say, oh, but they're but it's not a reputation because that's what they did in the Michigan. But what they did in the Michigan was not just hitting a hammer, hitting an anvil with a hammer. They were shaping the gold on the anvil using a hammer. It's not the same thing. Earl, Earl, I, I, you have a, a, quite a bit of uh, metal swords on your wall, right? Were you ever there when someone is making one of those swords? Yeah. So what do they do? Picture, picture that, that motions, picture their actions that they take. No, no, I mean, yeah, you hammer the sword. Which what, is else do you, what else do you do? What do you mean? Every 10 strokes, you know what you do? You just hit the anvil without the sword. You just hit the anvil to keep the, the, the hammerhead properly squared away. Okay, so even when you're when you're doing the malacha of, of using it to for a productive purpose of doing some sort of metal work on the anvil with your with your blacksmith, what what do they call the blacksmith hammer? There's a word for it, right? Isn't there a word for it? Not just hammer, right? Isn't there another word for it? Uh, I don't know. Okay, so whatever that word is, what you also do is you then you hit you hit you hit and then you hit you hit um another place in the anvil, not where the metal is. Hit 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 another place in the metal, not where the anvil is, to make sure that the 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 hammer head is properly squared uh, up. And that's how Rashi explains, that's what they did in the Mishkan. So if people didn't do that in general, when they were working with a hammer, it would not be a malacha, right? And even though normally, yeah, so maybe I'm hitting with the, an I'm hitting the anvil with my hammer because I want my hammer to get better, but nobody hits an anvil with a hammer, just, just, just the anvil with the hammer, just the anvil with the hammer. That's not the only thing that they do. Normally they do it in, in the process of doing the other malacha. But once we establish that they do that in the past of doing the other malacha, then there's a precedent in the Mishkan and therefore it's significant and would be forbidden. Okay. Okay, good point though. Uh Kosu, if someone does any plowing at all, Hamanachesh, if you do any weeding at all, the Hamakarse, um, which is Masakna. You cut the dry branches off of the tree. If you do any pruning, anything at all, you're going to be liable. If you're gathering together wood, if you're doing it for the sake of making something better, excuse me, anything at all. If you're gathering it for firewood, as we already said earlier, the amount that you need to, to, to make a fire to cook a rigorous worth, a dried fig's worth of a easy to fry egg, which is a chicken egg. If you're gathering grass in the sacking culture, if you're doing it for the sake of making the field better, then any bit at all is making the field somewhat better. If you're doing it for the sake of gathering the grass for an animal, you're only going to be liable if you are taking enough grass to fill up the mouth of a goat. The Gemara is asking like this, 
Kara. Umar is asking, what is, what is making a, a tiny bit of plowing, just a tiny furrow? What does that help? What are you going to do with that? You know what you're going to do with that? You're going to plant a, a gourd, a gourd seed in it. The Kabbalah said, Gabi Mishkan, so too we saw by the Mishkan, that they would plow even just a tiny bit for the sake of putting in one stalk of a samanim, of an herb, that's going to be used for the dyes. Hamanachesh, weeding, vamakarsim, cutting off the dry wood, vamazarid, and pruning. Tanarabana, we learned in Raisa. Atailish ulshan, if you are cutting ulshan, which is a type of lettuce, vamazarid, zradim, and if you are um, weeding zradim, which is um, some sort of a, a reed, I think. If you're doing it for the sake of eating it, it's dry fig's worth. If you're doing it for the sake of giving it to an animal to eat, the amount that will fill the mouth of a goat, because the goats eat these foods. If you're taking it off to use for uh, fire, the, the amount that you need to cook a, a small egg. If you're doing it for the sake of making the field better, anything at all. What are you talking about? Even if you're not doing it for the sake of making the karaka better, by definition, if you're taking something off of the ground, you're going to be making the ground easier to grow better. Weeding is always good. So what do you mean? Only if you had intent. Even if you didn't have intent, it should be the violation. So the um, verse is like this. They say they we're talking about a case where it was in a swamp. Since it's in a swamp, you're not going to be making the swamp qualitatively better by taking some of the grass and weeds off of the ground. The swamp doesn't get any better. It's not a, and it's not a swamp. So then it is making the field better. If you're going to and you didn't have intention, your intention in doing this is not to make the field better. Shimon agrees that if you cut up a chicken's head, and you're saying, well, I didn't cut it off for the sake of it dying. I cut it off because I needed the head, but not because I wanted it to die. Everybody agrees that even Rabbi Shimon, who says that a davar she'im is chaven, doing a malacha and, the, and having an unintended consequence is not forbidden according to Rabbi Shimon, right? I'm sorry, is, is, um, is patra aval asr. It's forbidden, but you're not, it's not liable on a Torah level, right? So the Gemara says, even Rabbi Shimon agrees, though, you can't say, I didn't intend for this to happen, when, when what you did is you cut a chicken's head off for the sake of your kid playing with the chicken, but you didn't have intention through cutting the chicken's head off that the chicken would die. When it's something that is an inevitable consequence of your action, you cannot say, I didn't have intention for that. Even if you didn't have intention for that, if it's an inevitable consequence of your action, it's, you're still going to be liable, even according to Rabbi Shimon. So how could you say that the reason why you're not liable for cutting the grass, for, for taking the grass off because you weren't taking it off for the sake of making the field better, well, who cares? Even if you weren't taking it off for making the field better, if it's automatic, then you're still going to be liable. Our answers. Um, this is a tremendous, tremendous leniency in many different Shabbos ideas. What we call is a psik resha, the layamus. So we said it's forbidden to say, I'm, you're doing an action. Your intention is not for having consequence number two. Your intention is for only for consequence number one. That's permissible. And then intention number, and then consequence number two indeed happens. Generally speaking, according to Shimon, it's patraval asr. It's, it's forbidden to do it, but you're not going to be liable to a carbon. However, in the case of a psikresha v'layamos, where it's actually um, cutting, it's an inevitable consequence, then even if Shimon agrees that it's forbidden on a Torah level. However, that's only true when you actually have some benefit from that inevitable consequence. If you're cutting something that you have no benefit at all because it's in your friend's field, then it's not going to be liable. And this is what we call the psikresha v'layamos. So it, it is a case of an inevitable consequence, but the v'layamos something that you didn't care about. And it's very, very helpful because without this concept, it would not be permitted, I shouldn't say not be, 
but it would be a lot more difficult to open up a fridge door on Shabbos, a lot more difficult to do many different actions that are very likely to cause a different halachically impermissible uh, consequence, right? So on a really hot day, if you open up your door and you have central ear, it's very likely that you're going to cause the central ear to go on if it's not on right now. Okay. New Mishnah. If you write two letters, whether it's your right hand, whether it's your left hand, whether it's from one, one, uh, one name, whether it's two names, whether it's two different types of inks, in any language, you're going to be liable. says, says, you don't need two letters, even just a roshim, even just making a sign. It doesn't have to be an actual letter. says that, where do we derive that two letters is the minimum to be considered significant? Because in the Mishkan, they wanted to know, they, they have these portable uh, boards, right? It was a sukkah, essentially, right? And in the sukkah, when you want to make sure you know which board goes next to which, so you label them. This is 1A, this is 1B, this is 2A, this is 2B, right? The two, the two corners that are going to be next to each other, you want to label. So in the Mishkan, they also labeled them. They didn't label them with letters, according to BIC. They just made a mark. And they made like a, a line here and a line there. And then the next line would be a triangle, a triangle. So, so BIC says it doesn't have to be an actual letter to be significant. Just be a mark and that will be enough. Um, to know which one is going to be the peer of the next one. Yehuda says we find one small name, which is part of a large name. If you write a shin mem and you're like, I didn't make a name, I didn't make a name, I was pretending to make shimin, or you're pretending to make shmuel. Guess what? If you write shame, the first two letters, you already then accomplished a word because you wrote the two letters. So writing with your right hand, the chayv, of course you're going to be liable. Because that's the normal way of writing. I'll ask small am I, but writing with your left hand, why would you be liable? It's not the normal way of writing. Right? And by the way, this is the halacha today also, right? So writing with your left hand, if you're writing, is not is not the normal way to write. And therefore, if you need to do malacha and Shabbos, you need to write for whatever reason, you should try to write with your left hand if at all possible, because then that will make it not a malacha daraisa, malacha darabana. Amir Abiyah, Mr. Abiyah says, what's going on? Abiyah, be eater yad. You're talking about someone who's a lefty. But to have a small day, well, if so, then you should only be, if he's a lefty, then he should only be liable for writing with his left hand. But a small lechayv, only be liable for writing with his left hand. I am in loy lechayv, he should not be liable for writing with his right hand. Misha says you're liable for both. Elam Rabiyah, Abiyah says, but we're talking about somebody who is ambidextrous, like um, Earl's son, who was initially lefty and then was taught to be righty, but it now still has the ability to do things with his left hand too. Rabbi Yaakov, the son of the daughter of Yaakov, said, This is the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi. said, You don't need to write two letters, you just need to write two signs, right? Two symbols. And to write a symbol with your left hand, that's easy. Well, the fact that the Sefer, he tells explicitly that it's the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi, that would imply that the Reisha, which did not mention that's Rabbi Yaisi's opinion, is not the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi. Mar says cooler BAC. It's really all BAC. And for some reason, we only mentioned it later, but not earlier. Um, this may be tangential, but I've never. Rob Yaakov, the son of the daughter of Yaakov? Mm-hmm. Since when I'm, Since when is the daughter mentioned him? He must have been a special person. Um, that's one angle. Another angle, and Rashi takes this angle a couple of other places. I don't remember if this is one of them. Um, generally speaking, when we have these scenarios, uh, there are stories where a girl was um, taken by a non-Jewish man. And we're not going to call him the son of his father because his father wasn't Jewish. Oh. 
Um, so that's generally speaking what we assume. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, tonight in my Navi class in Cupertino, I said something um, uh, about Abigail. I said that she was having a, a positive influence on David Amalek, whatever, whatever the story was. So a lady in the class is like, I see I'm having an influence on you. I'm turning you into a feminist. So, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you punk. You punk, you turned me into a feminist. I mean, I'm not a feminist. <laughs> That's really the answer. <laughs> but if I was a feminist, it wasn't because of you. <laughs> but either way. Okay. Um, so let's see. We're up to the two dots. Amr of Yehuda, Metzino. So Yehuda says that I find that one name, that one, two letters, that's one a name out of a larger name. Allah of Yehuda, Shtei Isis. Behain, Shtei. Is that to say that according to Behuda, the only way you'd be liable for writing two letters is if they're two separate letters. But if they're two letters and they're really just one, they're two, two different times of one letter, you're not going to be liable, right? So if you write Aleph twice, you're not going to be liable. You have to write Shin Mem or Aleph Dalid. It can't be just, it can't be just two different, two, two times the same letter. But Tanya, we learned in Abaisa. But also Achas, and you did one. You might think that you're only liable if you write the entire name. And until you weave the entire garment. And until you make the entire uh, uh, sieve. Therefore, the Torah tells us, it tells us, or from, it says, from one. I might think that even if you only wrote one letter, you would be liable. And you only, only wove only one, uh, one thread. And you only made one, one part of the nafa, of the sieve, you would already be liable. It's different, it says one, to teach you, okay, so what do you do? You're only liable when you write one small name from a large name. Now, that's the Tanakhama's opinion. But all of a sudden, Rabbi Huda, who in our Mishnah said that that was exactly Rabbi Huda's position in our Mishnah. But in the Bright Sword, what does Rabbi Huda say? Rabbi Huda, Amen. I feel like Kasavel is Osius. Even if you wrote two letters, but it's both one word, of course you're going to be high if you write two different letters. You don't even have to write letters at all. You just need to write signs. They used to make these signs on the Krashay Mishkan to know which one goes next to another one. Sorry, if you made two scratches on two different uh, beams, or two different um, beams, yeah. Uh, planks, I guess. If you made two different uh, scratches on one nesser, on one, on one uh, plank, you're liable. Shimon says, Since it says you have to do one, I might have thought that you're not going to be liable until you write the entire name, until you... Until you weave the entire bag, it actually has this color enough until you make the entire sift. This is, seems very similar to the Tanakama. If, if it says Me'achas, then I would think that you're only going to be liable if you only write, you're going to be liable even if you write one letter. Only weaving one thread. Therefore, it says Achas. Okay, what do we see from here? Until you do a malacha, that's something similar to that would be long lasting. Reisi says like this. Try to try to follow this one. It says It says that you shall do one. and you should do these. There are times you're going to be liable to one malacha for different what one carbon from different malachas. Sometimes you'll be chayiv one carbon for each separate malacha. 
Ketani Mihas, Rabbi Yehuda Emer, what do we see from this whole b'risa? We brought that whole b'risa all to bring the point that Rabbi Yehuda in our Mishnah was of the opinion you have to write two letters that are two separate letters. That, and Rabbi Yehuda in the b'risa says, no, you can even write two that are the same. One opinion is the opinion of his teacher, Rabbi Gamliel, and one is the opinion of himself. And in one place, he said two letters that have to be separate letters. In one place, he said two letters that could be the same letters. If you write two letters and they're the same letter, Chayef is still liable. Not sure why we need to write all of those separate uh, combinations. So why not all possible combinations? I'm sure if someone deals with it, I didn't, I didn't check. Rav Shimon, I know Tanakama. Now the Gemara asks Rav Shimon is really saying the same thing as the Tanakama. Maybe Aleph, Aleph, two different Alephs together of the Azracha is the difference between the two of them. The Tanakama sever Aleph, Aleph, the Azracha, Le Machayek. Tanakama says that two different Alephs together, you're not going to be liable. Rav Shimon, Sava, Kivan, De Isse, Begal, Ture, Ba'alma, Chayek. Maybe Rav Shimon's of the opinion that since uh, since you have it sometimes with Alture, which is a type of an amulet, that they actually write two two olives one after the other, you're still going to be liable. Remember, the Rav Shimon is this to say that Rav Shimon is more stringent than the Tanakama? Uh, Tanya, we learned in a Brisa. If you do a tiny drilling, Chayef, you're going to be liable. Hamagara Koshu, if you're doing a bit of a planing, right? Magara is making a you know planing a surface, you're going to be liable even if it's a tiny bit. Hamagara Koshu, you're doing a little bit of tanning, you're going to be liable. Atzarbekli Tsura Koshu, if you're Drawing on a vessel, a tiny drawing, right? Rishimin of the opinion until you drill the entire thing, until you plane the entire thing, until you do the entire tanning, until you do the entire drawing. Not enough just to do a tiny bit. According to Rishimin, you have to say it's coming to teach us. It's coming to teach you until you write the entire name. Can you say that Rishimans of the opinion you have to write the entire name? If your intention is to write in, if your intention is to write Noach, then obviously Noach is enough. If your intention was to write Nachor, then writing Noach is not enough according to Rishimin. But could you say this? Could you say this is Rishimin's opinion? It says you might have thought that until you write the entire name that you originally intended to write, you're not going to be liable. Therefore, it says Me'achas to teach you that um, that even writing part of the entire name is already liable. Maybe you're not going to be liable until you write the entire Pasuk. It says, even from, from one, teach you that you don't have to write the entire thing. Sometimes you'll be liable for doing one thing for many things. For many actions, you're going to be liable to one punishment. And sometimes for many actions, you're going to be liable to punishments for each one. My time with Rabbi What's the reasoning behind your Yesi? Achas me achas. Heina me heina. Achas heina ve heina shei achas. It says achas and it says heina. It says one and it says these. Telling us like this. It says them in close proximity to teach us. There is a one that is many and there is a many that is a one. What does that mean? It means that you do many malachas but you're only going to be liable to one thing. You could do, and you could do um, many malachas and be liable to many karbanas. Shimon me achas. Shame me shimon. You have shimon is me'achas, right? And, um, I'm sorry, achas is shimon, is to write the whole shimon. And me'achas, shame me shimon. From one is that when you write part of the name in uh, in two letters. Heina avos, me'heina toldes. It says heina, that is teaching you the avos malachas. Me'heina, from these is teaching you the toldes, the descendant malachas. Achas shehi heina, 
Zadan Shabbos and Shigas Malachas. If he did many Malachas, knowing that it's Shabbos and not caring, but not knowing what Malachas are, then you're going to be liable to many, to only one carbon. Hey, Nashiachas, you do many Malachas, then you're going to be liable to, to many Malachas. Shigas Shabbos and Zadan Malachas, right? Sorry, the other way around. Other way around. If you're on purpose shab- violating Shabbos and you don't know what the Malachas are, you're going to bring different carbonas to each Malacha. But if you're accidentally violating Shabbos and you are Zadain on the Malachas, then you're only going to bring one carbon and not many carbonas. Um, one second, let me just make sure. Zadin? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Zadin Shabbos, if, it, if it's on purpose that it's Shabbos, but not recognizing inadvertent malachas on specific malachas, you're reliable to, to shayge, you're reliable to a carbon for each one. If it's on purpose that it is, that it the, the malacha is being done on purpose, but you didn't know that it's Shabbos, then you're going to be only liable to one carbon for all the malachas that you do. Okay. We find a small name from one large name. What's that talking about? Me dummy. Mem the shame sasim mem the shimon pasuach. The Gemara says one second. If you have to write a significant thing, so you can't write a shame when you're writing shimon. The first letter is the regular shin. Second letter is a regular mem. Now, if you're writing shame, what's the mem look like? It's going to be a mem sofit. It's going to be a different type of mem than when it's a mem in the middle of the of the word. So you can't tell me that you're going to be liable for making a a, a mem in the mem of shame. You're going to be liable for because the mem of shame is Part of the is part of the um, of uh, it's part of the mem that should have been for Shimon. It's a, it's a, a an earlier mem, not the what do they call it? It's just a, a plain mem, not a mem sofi, not the end mem. We see from here that if you are writing a sefer Torah, writing anything in Safas, and you wrote it, excuse me, and you meant it was supposed to be written sasum. Um, and then you ended up making it open. It's supposed to be an, a sofit, and you ended up making it a regular one. Kasher, it's still okay. Mesfit, the Gemara is asking a question. Ukasaftim, it says in the Torah, Ukasaftim, that you have to write it. Shetayiksiva, Tama, that the Ksiva has to be Tama, it has to be uh, complete or perfect. Shleyichtav, Alpha, Nine, and you can't write an, an Aleph instead of an Ayin. You can't write an Ayin instead of an Aleph, vice versa. You can't write an Ayin instead of an Aleph, you can't write an Ayin and Aleph instead of an Ayin. Basin, Kafin, you can't write a base instead of a Kafin, you can't write a Kafin in a base. Gamin, Sadin, Sad. Sadin, Gamin, Dalsin, Reishin, Reishin, Dalsin, Hayin, Chasin, Chasin, Hayin, Vavin, Yodin, Yodin, Vavin, Zainin, Nunin, Nunin, Zainin, Tassin, Papen, 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 I'm not sure how to say that. Papen, Tessin, Kifufen, Stumen, Kifufen, Pshutin, ones that are supposed to be bent make them straight. Pshutin, Kifufen, ones that are supposed to be straight make them bent, right? Certain letters, the if it's an end of letter, it's more straight, and if it's a middle letter, it's more bent. A mem getting mixed up with the samach, a samach getting mixed up with the mem. Stumen, one that's supposed to be closed, making it open. Suchen, stumen, one that's supposed to be open, making it closed. Parsha, psucha, and a parsha in the Torah, sometimes they're called a psucha, where there's space left at the end of the line, and sometimes they're called a stuma, where there's no space left at the end of the line. Psucha, layasena, stuma, stuma, layasena, psucha. You can't make an open one supposed in, in a closed one instead, and you can't make a closed one in an open one. If you wrote something in the Shira, Shira is song, right? So there are different parts of the Torah that are considered to be a song. And if you open up like um, Parshish Yisro, if you look at the 
at the Asaras Adibras, they're written in a different format. Anytime there's a song, it's written in a different format. There's a lot more spaces, right? A very specific format that has to be done. So if you write regular part of the Torah in the Shira format, you write the Shira format in the regular format, it's all these things are not going to be kosher. You're writing with a different type of ink. If you're writing using, using gold ink for Hashem's name, all these things, you're going to have to bury them. But what do we see from here? We see from here that you cannot have a stuma instead of a, you cannot have a, um, a, um, a uh, what's it called again? A, yeah, a sasum instead of a, a pasuach. You cannot have a, the, the shin, and then having a mem afterwards that's a middle mem and not an endomem, that's not going to work if indeed you're supposed to write shame with an endomem. So the Gemara says, He's going like this, Tana. The Tanya will learn to say, It says, talking about the, the um, Karbanas on, um, on Sukkot. It says, Milvad It says that the carbon that they're brought, and it says viniskehem, and their um the their libations. Vishishi vinisakha. Vishishi it says, and its libation. Vishvi kimishpatam. Like is their um like their their law. Hare mem yud mem. So these all three of these things are written in a strange fashion. So what we understand is it's coming to hint to us an additional mem, an additional yud, an additional mem. What's that coming to teach us? Mayam, come teach you mayam. Right, those are the three letters all together. I mean, mem yud mem is mayim. The kan rem is nisach mayim in a From here we see a hint to the idea of nisach mayim, the libation of water that they would do on sukkahs. We see a hint to that from the Torah. Umida pasuach vaasos sasum kasher sasum nami sasum sasum nami sasum vaasos pasuach kasher. So we see from here that when you're writing, you're trying to hint that at mayim from the Torah. Well, guess what? These the extra mems are both endomems. Right, so these are not the type of mems that would be the first letter in a word, and yet still we're okay with saying that you could derive from here the hint. So what you see from here is that it is okay to have the not not okay to write the Torah like that, but it is okay to consider it significant when it comes to writing shin mem, even though the mem is going to be a middle letter type of mem and not an end letter type of mem.